Okay, it is day 25 of 100. That is a quarter of the way done, which is hard to believe, but here we are. And we are continuing with excerpts from my Enneagram Introductions workshop. And today we are focusing on type nine. So let's do it. Nines at their best can be peaceful and reassuring, but at their worst can be complacent and neglectful. So the basic fear here is of loss and separation, and their basic desire is to have inner stability or peace of mind. The motivating need is to avoid anything that would disturb that inner peace, and that can often result in merging with others to avoid conflict. And there's a huge range of types of nines within this bigger archetype, because Nines do tend to take on qualities of the other eight types, especially those that are most influential around them. So while there is a range and there are nuanced differences in everyone within all of the types, there can be perhaps the, the largest range in nines. We can have two nines that don't look anything alike, but are motivated by the same thing and are operating within the same type structure. Their basic orientation is to nature. These are nature-oriented people and Part of that is this draw to nature because it, it doesn't place any demands on nines or, or put any pressure on nines. And those are things that they don't uh, respond particularly well to or don't uh, enjoy. And so there's this pressure, demand-free space. And they just have this intuitive awareness of how everything is connected. And you kind of see all of that and, and just can kind of merge with all of that connection in nature. And so nines tend to really enjoy or, or benefit from time in nature. We call them the peacemakers or the mediators. And I always like to differentiate peacemaking versus peace keeping because nines can get this reputation as kind of go along to get along people and that that happens a lot in this space but one of the big things for nines to learn as they grow up is that you know even keeping the peace at all costs eventually ends up causing conflict i've just never seen that not be true and it's very counterintuitive especially for nines, because remember that fear of loss and separation is driving quite a bit of this. And the fear is that conflict would lead to loss, disconnect, separation. One of the things that makes nines great mediators is that they can very readily usually see both sides or all sides of a situation and understand different people's position. And that can be really valuable but it also makes it very hard for them to have or to identify their own opinion or their own point of view. And so that is, um, is somewhat connected to merging or what we call self-forgetting, but it also um, contributes to this sort of ambivalence around decision-making that we see in nine. Sometimes it can be quite difficult for nines to make, especially uh, smaller decisions. You know, on the big stuff, they generally know where they stand, they have their, their values and their commitments, and they're not going to hesitate to be true to those. But it's just, it's like they, they don't want to waste energy on 
non-essentials? Like why, why would they put out all of this energy and potentially cause a conflict by stating where they want to go to dinner when really they can get pretty on board with wherever you want to go to dinner? And so that sort of decision can be quite difficult for nines. And, uh, you know, we've learned in friend groups over the years that starting with where the nine doesn't want to go might be a good avenue to try to get to finding out where they do want to go to dinner. Um, so just an idea for a strategy there. Now, remember, nines are in this gut or body triad, and the core issue for all three of these types, eight, nine, and one, is anger. But nines don't always relate to having anger because their strategy of dealing with that is to disconnect from it. And so reconnecting with their anger, uh, coming to terms with it, and, and learning how to access it is another big part of the work for nines. But what happens is until that, that work is done, anger, you know, it always is going to come out somehow and it comes out sideways for nines. And generally that is some sort of passive aggressive outlet. And what you might see is that there's a a display of anger or frustration around something that is not really the thing that they're angry about. It's, it's like, this is really about that. And it just comes out in, in the context of something other than what the core issue really is. So I've lived with multiple nines over the years and it's like the dishes in the house always become the vehicle through which um, communication of anger or frustration or, or problems come out. It's like there's some big display, like a, an angry note left on the, the sink or something like that. And it's not really the dishes that, that are the problem. You know, it's a decision about grad school or um, a problem in a relationship or so, something that it's really about, but it comes out on these easier, more minor, or maybe they feel more appropriate to the nine, um, uh, these outlets rather than addressing head on what is really the issue. And part of why that happens is there is a fear of their own anger and their resentment once the nines realize how much has built up. Uh, and there, there's a real fear of that. And again, of the disconnect or the potential loss or separation it could cause. A few other themes or patterns uh, for nines are this um, trickiness around prioritizing tasks and distractions. So remember, they're they're doing dominant, uh, but also doing repressed. So it's like they're always doing something, but not always or not usually the thing that most needs to be done in the moment. Perhaps um, it's it's hard to prioritize uh, a list of of tasks to know what needs to be done in what order and to stick to that. So it leads to sort of a, uh, almost like an ADD dynamic. Nines are um, generally wonderful listeners, but part of their maintaining that inner peace or equilibrium is this thing I call the checkout. So they can miss up to about a, a third of what is actually said if they have checked out. And so if you know a nine really well, you can you can start to kind of see when it happens. You know what the eyes do or what the mouth does or what. And and we had a friend one time that, that did this in a big conversation and had to ask like, hey, where, where did you go just now? And she could actually tell us. She went like to this basically inner castle in her head and was making up a song. And so there, there's an actual checkout that, that can happen. And on the whole... Nines are or tend to be 
these easygoing, calm presences, very valuable friends, family members, and coworkers. Um, most of their doing energy gets spent at work, and so they can be um, quite productive, quite accomplished in those spaces, quite committed to doing quality work, and tend to really know how to bring out the best gifts in others and make people feel valued and special. Some growing edges for nines would be to actively choose to engage in life and refrain from numbing habits. There can be a lot of numbing, whether that's through food or or drink or substance or just activity, um, to try to numb some of that discomfort or things disturbing their inner peace. So to, to engage and, and refrain from checking out through numbing behaviors. To do some personal work to grow self-esteem and embrace um, conflict and confrontation and, and gain some skills around, um, around managing that. And making a, a habit, a practice of active self-remembering. So it's, it's so easy for nines to focus on others, but maybe there's a practice like journaling or um, therapy or spiritual direction or, or something that, that helps you really turn the, the focus back on yourself, what you need, what you want and desire, and noting how valuable your presence is in, uh, in your life and in, in the lives of others. The vice for nines is um, what we might call inertia. So it's not at all laziness, but it, it's busy doing something that keeps you from what you perhaps ought to be doing. And so what happens there is there's this falling asleep to oneself that can happen in motion or at rest. So this does not mean that you're slothful and lethargic and just on the couch. You might be, but it, it also might mean that you're overworking and even kind of in a workaholic zone, but you have still fallen asleep to yourself. It's just in motion rather than at rest. And we know this law of inertia, of course, you know, an object at motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. And so it can be very hard for nines to get out of the momentum, whether that is momentum of, of movement or just this kind of stagnant um, space, but waking up to oneself and, and what one needs and desires from your life is, is the work. The virtue that's the flip side of that vice is what we call right action. And in that space, nines can assert themselves and, um, and self-actualize through consciously pursuing their life's agenda and doing what needs to be done when it's called for. The lost childhood message for nines that plays into this, so the message that didn't get through for whatever reason, is your presence matters. It's very hard for nines to, to trust that. They can see how everyone else's presence matters, but it's hard for them to acknowledge their own role in affecting the world and, and affecting others. And the wounding message that somehow did get internalized for the nine is it's not okay to assert yourself. And so unlearning that and, and being willing and able to assert oneself when it's called for is a big part of the work for nines. So finally, uh, folks to follow or read or study if you want to um, kind of dive into the nines perspective or experience of the world. Some kind of traditional nines that we think of are the Dalai Lama and Abraham Lincoln. But there are a lot of of nines working right now that I think have really valuable work and perspectives that we could check out. And so 
Uh, there's an author named Austin Channing Brown who is uh, quite gifted and an important person to follow. Science Mike, or Mike McCarg, is one of my personal favorite nines. He um, just had his second book come out, but hosts a podcast and is kind of all over online, so, so look him up. And then a couple of musicians, Audrey Assad is a brilliant musician, quite frankly, and and has talked about her nineness online, and, and so she's a good follow. And then finally, Sleeping at Last, or uh, Ryan O'Neill is his actual name, is the one who composed the Enneagram songs. So he's literally written a song from the perspective of each Enneagram type and recorded that, and it's absolutely brilliant. So if you're not familiar with that, um, Sleeping at Last, and that is linked to on my resources page on the website. So saraduay.com slash resources. And that will do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow for type one, and I'll talk to you then. Bye.